This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hi, it's Kate, and I'm back with another one of our greatest hits. Unless you've been on vacation all summer, you've likely heard about the Great Resignation, a new trend we're seeing where millions of people are emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic and quitting their jobs. The reasons why so many people are leaving their jobs are varied from practical, like low wages and lack of flexibility, to the more intangible, like the search for meaningful work. If you're thinking of joining them, take a listen to this episode from the fall of 2019, where we get expert advice on what to consider before quitting your job. So one of the things that really bothers me about the way that pop culture portrays work in movies and television show is when they show someone quitting. I know that it makes for good entertainment, but it's really annoying that it's always super dramatic, super emotional, and also super obvious. In real life, I reckon that knowing when to say goodbye to a job is one of the most difficult decisions you have to make. And it's not always so straightforward and like, I quit. Flipping over the tables and yeah. storming out. <laughs> I never liked you anyways. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, it's one of the biggest changes you'll have in your life, like your relationship your family, your job, you know, it's one of the biggest things you could possibly go through. And and honestly, even if you've had a really horrible experience, like a bad boss or a toxic work culture, it's never a good idea to burn bridges at work because no matter your industry, networks are small and people talk and there is a chance that you might end up working with some of the same people again, or at least someone who knows those people. So even if it was really satisfying to like tell your boss everything you've ever thought of them and flip that table over, it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah, it's probably going to feel good in like five to 10 seconds, (laughs) especially if you have a lot of built up resentment that you haven't voiced to anyone towards your manager or your company. But then when you get home and you realize, oh, I have to look for a new job now. <laughs> That's probably you're probably going to realize that that wasn't such a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it's happened. I will say in my career is happened more often than not. It's media is such a small industry that I've worked with the same person again or mm-hmm. I've met somebody who knew my former boss or a former colleague or worked adjacently to somebody else before. So if I ever would have done something like that, it definitely would have come back to haunt me. Yeah, exactly. And you probably also recommend people that you've worked with to other people when they're looking for mm-hmm. jobs and you don't want to miss out on that either. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about kind of all of those do's and don'ts of quitting your job in this episode. But let's start with the basic question. What are some of the telltale signs that it might be time to leave your company or at least start looking for new opportunities? Yeah, so we have covered this extensively. um, And I'd say that based on many of the articles we've reported, there are a few super obvious signs to look out for, which we're going to cover. But then there are also the less than obvious signs where It might not necessarily be the best idea to quit your job, but you should at least pause and think about whether this is the right workplace for you, at least for this specific time. And I think even if the reason is obvious or whether or not quitting is the right decision, it kind of still depends on your situation. But let's start with the most obvious reason and the one that you also see a lot in those dramatic moments, which is that you have a toxic workplace or a crazy boss or just a totally dysfunctional environment. Every time I've interviewed someone, this reason always comes up. And, you know, we've all heard the saying, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. It might be a cliche, but it's not just a boss as well. It might be a coworker who is a bully or the culture is just awful. Yeah. And, you know, I think it really is true. You're, 
your happiness at work is so much made up by the people that you work with, sometimes even more so than the work that you're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there, you know, there's there's ways that you can try to mitigate some of those, you know, circumstances. You can um, speak up and tell the individual that their behavior bothers you, you know, especially if it's just like something work style related or something, you know, annoying habit related because they might be doing it with like not even realizing it. And maybe that can fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a bigger, more serious issue, you can report it to HR, you know, because maybe it's something that they can mediate. Um, If you have a good relationship with that person's boss, you can talk to that person and get their advice. Company culture, however, that's a thing that's a lot more difficult if you're not in a position of power to do much about because it's really kind of a top down thing. It's really hard to change your entire company's culture or work environment or expectations if you're just one person who works there. But I think the bottom line with a toxic workplace is that, you know, if you're being exposed to that every day and there you've thought about what you can do to make your situation better and there isn't really anything, it's kind of a deal breaker. You know, there's no job that's worth sacrificing your like happiness and mental health yeah and I think it can be hard to know that because I feel like we do live in this culture that kind of encourages you know pushing on and it Mm -hmm. feels like it's kind of sad but the amount of kind of toxic workplaces stories that we see it just seems like Mm -hmm. it's normal but it's not and it doesn't have to be just because and that's why it's called work and you're not supposed to be happy and you know like like, yeah okay maybe you don't like what you do 100% of the time but that doesn't mean that you have to like come home miserable yeah there's a big there's a big difference between Like I always say like what a former boss said to me is like that's why it's called work like you're not supposed to like be having fun all of the time versus like I am miserable here. Yeah. You know. So here's another one that comes up a lot and this one is not as dramatic. It's just you just don't have any opportunities to grow and you really really want some. You might be able to do your job well with your eyes closed, but you're just getting bored with what you're doing and you know you've already been proactive and talked to your boss about growth opportunities but they don't seem to be doing anything. And I feel like, you know, we've talked about it in our previous episodes. It could take a bit of time, but when you don't see anything changing, I feel like that's a sign that maybe you should at least start looking elsewhere. Yeah, and I will say from personal experience, that is the time that I have left jobs is Mm -hmm. when it's like there's nowhere else to go. I've done all I can do at this job. And, you know, we have talked about how to approach that, especially I would recommend listening to our episodes on how to get a promotion and how to manage up. But it's like when you've exhausted both of those avenues, then yeah, it's kind of like the writing's on the wall. It's time to look for a new job. Here's another clear cut sign when it's affecting other areas of your life. So maybe you bring your stress into your home life and all of your friends or family ever hear about it is you complaining about your job not a good sign. Yeah, you know, we not, are, We probably ideal. know a few of those people and I'm sure that a lot of us are frustrated mm-hmm. and be like, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you just quit your job? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know, also, the, you know, the other side of that is not necessarily that you're venting all the time, but you're feeling it yourself and you're feeling like constantly drained even though you're, you know, taking vacations, you're not like working all the time. You just feel like, you know, you've done everything to kind of set those boundaries between your work and personal life, but you're just so drained. Yeah. I've personally been in this position before and initially I convinced myself it was just burnout. But after kind of like, you know, doing those things that you just mentioned, like taking vacations and, you know, making sure I take care of myself and it got even worse. I feel like that's a sign that it's like, okay, this is clearly not working. It doesn't matter what I do, the kind of environment or the people or whatever just isn't suited to me. And that's fine. 
But we know that not everyone has the option to quit. It can be kind of hard mm-hmm. because sometimes it takes time to find a new job and, you know, not everyone has the luxury of just quitting even when it is really bad. So I feel like in that situation, the best thing to do is to at least try and search for other positions. And as much as you can, you're probably also in a lot of situations where you take on extra work that's not necessarily in your job description. I feel like kind of trying to scale back on that as well while ensuring that you're still maintaining your main responsibility is one way to kind of keep your sanity. And and that's really key, right, is to to figure out how you can still do your job without feeling so drained and so burned out but also while not checking out of your job and yeah. like just doing a crappy job because that's a way to, that's like a secret way to burn a bridge, you know? Like exactly. you could have like done a fantastic job for 5 years and been really dedicated and then be at your wit's end in the last month while you're looking for a new job and totally checked out and that's the last impression that everyone's going to have of you yeah. is the checked out like they're not going to remember the 5 years of dedicated service they're going to be like yeah I remember that she was just kind of eh yeah, yeah you know and you don't want that because you if you've done really well at the company then you deserve to have that reputation yeah exactly all of these things that we're talking about figuring out when to quit your job the hidden subtext of that is and being able to quit your job. Yeah. So yeah, so the, those are some of the obvious reasons of why and when you know it's time to quit your job. But now we're going to tackle the less obvious reason with our guest today, Minda Hartz. Minda is the author of The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table, and the founder of The Memo LLC, a career development company for women of color. So I had a chance to speak to Minda about, you know, the work that she's doing and some of her thoughts on what you should think about before you quit your job. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. So the question of when to quit your job is definitely a difficult one, depending on people's circumstances. And, you know, some of the common ones we've heard from our listeners and also the articles we've covered, uh, toxic culture, difficult bosses, lack of growth opportunities, and also mental and physical health sacrifices. Have you seen any less obvious reasons that should give people pause in terms of, you know, whether or not they should stay in a job or leave? You know, that's a great question. And for me, I'm always at least now, I, I wish I could say, hey, there's like, here's five signs of a, of a toxic work environment, but it really is dependent on your individual experience in that workplace, because my threshold for pain, right, might be different than your threshold for pain, and vice versa. And I, and I say pain, because sometimes the things that make us want to stay or leave is a pain point. And so for me, I really talk, and even in the book, I talk about this, getting really clear on what you need, where your career needs and are you getting that from your your current environment and I think that when you look at your long-term career goals you have to really assess are you going to be able to get that here and so maybe you're not being mistreated per se but you may never obtain that career happiness being where you are just because maybe the ceiling has dropped in on you or there's just not a lot of room for advancement so I think there's a lot of other factors that go in not just you know for maybe racism or sexism or things like that. How do you think that affects the way that they should look at whether or not they should stay at a job when maybe some of the issues that they're facing at work, they might face again in the next job they apply to and the next job they apply to because it's much more of a systemic problem rather than a workplace problem. Yeah, that's another great question. It it pains me to even say that as a woman of color, as a black woman specifically, that there may be environments that I may go into and I may experience the same pain 
at three different companies, even if I leave. And I think that's where we have to get really clear on what we want out of a workplace and, and asking the right questions because I think oftentimes we forget that we get to interview our future employers or our current employers. And so asking those questions that maybe we didn't get to ask the last time and no work environment is perfect, but understanding that, you know, if diversity has been an issue at past companies because you've been the only one, if you do become the only one in this next environment, what are they doing to make sure that you're not going to be the only one that they're adding to the pipeline? And so I think it's up to us as women, as women of color, as just humans working in the workforce for us to ask those questions because oftentimes our employers, well as well-intentioned as they may be, may not, may not be thinking about what it's like for us to show up in the workplace every day and thrive and not just survive. Yeah, so going back to your point about knowing your pain points, um, you know, you give a lot of very frustrating but relatable anecdotes in the book that I know a lot of people probably had some sort of similar experiences. How do you go about assessing whether or not something has hit your pain threshold and what advice do you have for other people to determine what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable for them in the workplace? Yeah, I think that because we are, most of us, you know, are adults in the workplace, I think it's important to understand that we know when we're being mistreated and we can sit in our cubes and sit in our office and rationalize why someone did what they did, or maybe they didn't mean any harm. But at the end of the day, is that table, is that room, is that making you better? Is that enhancing your experiences? Are you able to come to work and give to the bottom line in a real productive way? And I think if being in an environment, if it impedes upon our emotional and career health, our well-being, then I think we need to give ourselves permission to say, maybe this isn't the right table for me. But the optimist in me says that there are tables out there. There are companies that they may not have gotten it right all these years, but they want to do better. And I think we have to find those companies and, and talk to each other about companies that are not treating predominantly maybe women of color well so that we don't keep being employed there and causing that workplace harm to others that we could actually uh, help each other find those really good places to work because I do believe they're out there. Yeah, I want to move on to your kind of career experience. So um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you transition from, you know, being an employee into an entrepreneur. And I'm kind of wondering if you could tell me the thought process and the preparation that, you know, it took to get there <laughs> and how other people who might be thinking about the same thing should go about it. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely didn't have a Beyonce moment and wake up like this and say, hey, I want, I want to yeah. do this. Um, <laughs> And to be honest, I never intended on being a full-time entrepreneur. That was never my intention. My intention was to continue to work my corporate job and help other women of color continue to advance in their career. So I thought that I was something I'd just be able to do um, in tandem with my career. But what I found was that it was pulling me, like my purpose was being pulled into being more of a full-time advocate for women of color in the workplace. And so I wasn't able to keep up with both jobs. And so I had to make a choice that that was a choice I had to make. And so I said, well, at this point in my life, I feel like I need to be helping make the workplace better for women that look like me and um, even women that don't look like me. And so for me, it, it took me four years before I was financially in a position to be able to transition full time. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves in terms of what might be best for us, because even if you leave a corporate or nonprofit environment, there's still a host of other issues that you deal with as an entrepreneur. So I don't want a lot of people to think that just because you leave, um, you know, a traditional eight to five that you don't 
deal with other issues as an entrepreneur. Yeah, discrimination doesn't stop uh, in the employment. <laughs> there are lots of other no. ways that um, unfortunately it happens when it, you become an entrepreneur. So you, when you mentioned about, you know, it took you four years to be in a financial position to do that. I think that that's obviously one thing that I think gets glossed over a little bit when people talk about quitting their jobs. What are some of the less glamorous things people should consider before they give their notice, whether it be to find another job or to start a business? Yeah, I think that the other thing, and, and that is, to your point, that is something that we don't talk about. I wanted to be able to use my eight to five money and invest in the company that I was building. And so it works for me. So that might be a route that someone else could take. But the other thing too is before you take that leap, make sure that you put the right tools in your career toolkit. So as the face of your company, you'll be a public speaker. Is that something that you're comfortable with? You know, are you good with money? Like, you know, all of these different things that you're going to need to be successful, they don't change your toolkit. I talk about it in the book. We all need a toolkit and rather you are in a traditional nine to five or you're you're creating your own table, there's certain tools we need. And I think continuing to build your network so that success is not a solo sport. You're gonna need clients and potential employees and, and so those are things that I think we have to set out. And one of the things that I did, it may sound kind of archaic, but I did write a business plan and I worked that business plan so that I could eventually uh, leave when the time was right. And so I would say, you know, go back to some of the things, take some courses, prepare yourself for that leap. And, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, as women of color or maybe anyone who belonged to a marginalized community and feels like that a lot of workplaces aren't so welcoming to them, they have to make the decision whether or not they want to find a table that they can sit in or sort of create their own. For someone who might not know what the best decision for them is, what are some of the things that you'd recommend they think about? Right. I would suggest volunteering or being an intern, maybe part-time with a company or an industry that you might consider starting your own company. And, and I think one of the things is having conversations with people who are in your industry, asking the tough questions, asking how long it took for them to scale or if they're still scaling, you know, how has corporate sponsorship been like asking all those questions of those who are doing it so that those aren't the kind of skinnies you have to have. And so I think planning ahead and, and you don't have to make the leap right away. And for some people, you may even decide, I want to continue working in my corporate job and maybe I work, you know, part-time on this other thing that I'm creating. And I want you to know that you have options you don't have to do it one way. There are many different ways to get to success. And so redefine what success means for yourself. Thank you so much, Minda, for being with us today and for talking to us about what people need to think about before they quit their jobs. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Now let's move on to answering your questions. This episode, both of our questions came through email. Hi, I've been at my job for four years. I enjoy what I do and I've been praised for my work, but sometimes I feel taken advantage of. I feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to do and documented my achievements, but in the past, when I've asked for a promotion or a raise, I've been told that is not the right time yet. So I started looking elsewhere and got an offer that I'm happy with. When I told my company, they told me that they've actually been planning to give me that raise and promotion I asked for. I'm confused about what to do because the terms of their counter offer are actually really good but I don't know whether to trust that they'll continue to take me for granted. Wow. Yeah, this is a really common and totally frustrating, and I totally feel this this listener's frustration. Unfortunately, you know, and we've touched about uh, on this on, on past episodes that we don't really 
work. Most of us don't work in, in merit-based workplaces. And so it sounds like it was kind of a classic example of like keeping your head down and doing hard work and not getting rewarded for it. But this person also, you know, kind of followed all of our best advice of documenting their achievements and bringing up the conversation. And it sounds like they're right. Their boss kind of took advantage of them and thought, well, you're doing a great job and you seem loyal and you're not giving me really any incentive to give you more money or a, a better title. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the way that it's coming about now hap- is pretty common and it happens a lot. A lot yeah, of time people get raises and promotions because they have a counter offer and then their boss says, oh, no, we don't want to lose you. Yeah. Or their boss might not even realize just how important they are until they're faced with mm-hmm. the realities of this person not being part of the what team. It, what it would mean to lose them. You don't know what you yeah. have until it's gone. Exactly. Yeah. And I know that in companies, you know, we've talked about this before, but like getting raises approved if you don't have an HR department or like, a, or even if you do have an HR department, you don't have like specific policy sometimes requires the boss making a case mm-hmm. to their higher ups. And, you know, not a lot of people are good at that. Well, like sometimes- and it's an easier case to make to say, if Anissa leaves... It's going to cost this much to Mm -hmm. replace her. We're going to be without a person for this long. And to get somebody in at her skill level, we're going to need, you know, this much, you know, in salary. And that's, you know, whatever. And like, oh, it's just easier to give her a raise and get her to stay. Exactly. Like it's because it is expensive to recruit someone. (laughs) It's expensive. It's a lot of work. It's an unknown quantity when you know that you have a good person there. So it's yeah, it's not surprising that that this is what happened. It's unfortunate. And I totally feel you, you know, as far as like not knowing if you can trust them or if they're going to continue to take you for granted. I would say it's really a matter of where do you want to work? You know, like, you know, this job, you've been there for four years. Do you like the job enough that you want to stay? I mean, you're kind of getting what you wanted, right? You're just not getting what you wanted in the way that you wanted to get it. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to think about like, one, do I like my job enough that I want to stay, the job itself? Two, will this be a resentment that's going to be in the back of my mind? Oh, you know, like, has this left a bad taste in my mouth that like, I only got this promotion because, you know, under these circumstances and I'm never going to, I'm always going to kind of have that resentment. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, this is more kind of from the company's point of view, but a lot of articles that um, I feel like we've covered when it comes to counteroffers, I think there are statistics that shows that employees who stay because of a counteroffer don't actually tend to stay around that long. So, so I mean, and now like the kind of the seeds been planted in both of your minds. Exactly. Too, you know, so like they're like, like oh, well, your boss is thinking, oh, this person's looking, you know, maybe they're not as loyal as I thought or, mm-hmm. or maybe this is going to happen again. And then you're thinking like, oh, there's other greener grass perhaps in other places. So that's the other thing I guess to consider too is, well, what's this other job? Like, is it something you're really excited about or really interested in? Are you bored after being there for four years? Like, do you want to shake it up a bit? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and then the problem is you'll never quite know because it's a new job and it's, you know, a lot of unknowns about it. But yeah, I think you have to first take the personal parts out of it and weigh the two jobs themselves against each other. And then if you come in strongly on one side or the other, put the personal back in and think, okay, am I going to resent my boss Mm -hmm. because this is the only way I got the promotion or am I going to, you know, be happier with like a new set of colleagues, like those sorts of things. Yeah. All right. And our next question is also from email. 
I work in a field where I'm one of very few women on my team. I really love my work and I feel very passionate about the work that I'm doing. However, I find that the male-dominated environment difficult to deal with. They make jokes that are inappropriate and I get all the typical disrespectful to women treatment where they don't acknowledge my ideas in meetings and they ask me to do all of the office admin work, which is exhausting. I've thought about quitting and looking for a job elsewhere, but the thing is, I just don't know if I'll be able to find another role that allows me to do the work that I'm doing now. Is a not so great work environment ever worth staying in? So it seems to me, this is the tricky situation, because there are certain jobs that are really niche, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems, yeah, it's not very clear what the industry is, but it seems to me that she's in a very kind of specific role Mm -hmm. where maybe it is a male-dominated industry. I mean, it might not be. But just her her particular offices. Yeah, her particular offices. And it doesn't say whether or not she's kind of looked at other places, but the subtext that I'm getting is she likes a job, she hates the environment. Mm -hmm. This person says that it's male-dominated. I'm assuming it's not all 100, you know, 99% male and her. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming there's some other women in the office. I would recommend first finding an ally, and maybe it it doesn't even have to be a, a woman, but probably you'd be more comfortable if it was. But finding an ally who maybe you think can empathize with the treatment that you're getting, can understand kind of what you're feeling and and ask them how they deal with it. Have they noticed it? Like, do they have any advice? Just kind of like having some sounding board in your office for like, what should I do? The inappropriate jokes and that stuff, like that's an HR issue. Like yeah, that's, definitely. that's a like, you should not have to work in that environment. Take that directly to HR, Mm -hmm. which I know is easier said than done. And especially like, what if your HR is maybe kind of also this? (laughs) Yeah, also in the same sort of mentality. There's really no other advice other than to take it to HR, depend, you know, decide on how far up you want to take it, how far you want to go with it. But yes, probably look for another job. The office admin work, the not listening to your ideas stuff, like, that's just like grinds you down. It's not illegal. It's not against the law, but it's just like a bad environment thing. And so that I would say, if you have a boss that you think can you can talk to, talk to your boss about it, find that ally again. But also, you know, this this listener says, like, I've thought about quitting and looking for a job elsewhere, but I just don't know if I would find one. Like, well, just look then, you yeah. know, like it's not going to hurt you to look. Yeah, exactly. And I think even if you don't find one that's exactly like your role because I know that there are specific industries and fields where jobs are very scarce and you know you might be an expert in that area and there isn't a lot of jobs for you because your skill set is so like specific and you want to do the kind of high level work I do think that at one time and I know this is really hard you do have to weigh up whether or not what you want to do day to day is actually worth more than the kind of like, I guess, mental gymnastics that you have to perform every day? Like, is it worth it for you to do this work if the cost of that is your sanity? Like, is there ways for you to kind of maybe do this work without having to be in that environment? Because, you know, maybe there's a way for this person to become a consultant where she can still do the work, but she doesn't have to be in the environment. So it's not even just about finding another job, but there's also kind of other arrangement that maybe she hasn't thought of. Yeah, that's true. It's like boosting for the ego to look for other work and to get some other interviews and to feel like you have options. Mm -hmm. 
So might as well explore it. It doesn't cost anything other than your time. So yeah. you might as well do it instead of some of this office admin work. And then the other way to approach, because, you know, this bottom line question that she's asking is, is it not so great work environment ever worth staying in? And I think that's a question that you have to figure out for yourself in that you have to look at the things that you can tolerate and can't tolerate and the things that you can change and the things that you can't change. So, you know, some of the things you shouldn't have to change, like you should not have to change the disrespectful behavior, the inappropriate jokes like that is, you know, fireable offenses. Those are those are HR issues. But are some of the, you know, not listening to your idea, not acknowledging your ideas, office admin work things that you can maybe figure out a way to change. So when somebody doesn't acknowledge your idea in a meeting or takes credit for your idea, you know, there are skillful ways to say, actually, I already said that, or like I said before, or, you know, to it's uncomfortable, but there's ways to kind of assert yourself. Yeah. And then the office admin work, like there's ways to just not do it. It's a little passive aggressive, but there's certainly ways to call that out. You know, it's perfectly fine to say, you know, that really doesn't sound like it's um, that really sounds like a job for an administrative assistant. Yeah. You know, it is frustrating that you have to be the one responsible for Mm -hmm. other people's like annoying Mm -hmm. behaviors. And what do you want to do in the long term? Because that's another thing (laughs) as well. Like, is it worth staying at 20 years to put up with this? Yeah. And that's I mean, that's another thing is like, where does this particular job fit into your like I know you love this five-year plan or your like (laughs) career trajectory you know like do I have to tough this out for another year in order to you know be able to apply for whatever else or whatever and if that's the case not that you should ever tough out something toxic but then it's okay well here's if I'm only going to be here for a year here's what I need to do to make this job livable for a year but yeah take the um, inappropriate stuff to HR (laughs) a hundred percent. Thank you to everyone who's reached out over Twitter and on a hotline. So we'll be doing an upcoming episode that's just answering all your burning questions. So if you have any, please get in touch. The number to leave a voicemail is 201-371-FASD, or you can also use the hashtag FCMostProductive on Twitter. Those are also in the show notes below. So right now, it's time to press pause and get your pen ready because you might want to write this down. Three questions you should ask yourself before you quit your job. Number one, why do I feel the need to quit? You accepted your job for a reason, so it's worth examining why you feel the need to move on. We tend to quit something when it makes us unhappy or uncomfortable, but to ensure that quitting will really make you happier, you need to look closely at your reasons. If it's pride and ego, think twice. But if you find that you want to quit because your motivations no longer align with your job, then that's a valid reason to move on. Number two, have I done everything to make this work for me? Sometimes your frustration with a job may be because of a major change. It might be to your benefit to try and embrace it first. Sometimes it requires you to try different things to get different results. Of course, there's a point where no amount of change is going to give you the results you want. So when that happens, it might be best to move on. Number three, what do I have to gain by quitting? Everything has an opportunity cost, and sometimes quitting something means you gain more resources to do something that's more important to you. If you have a lot more to gain by quitting than you do to lose, then it's a sign that you should at least seriously consider leaving. That's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Secrets of the Most Productive People wherever you listen. 
And this is our last regular episode for season three, but we have lots of great bonus episodes planned through the rest of the year, including a debate on unlimited vacation policies, a live episode from the Fast Company Innovation Festival, and a special all-listener question episode where we will solve all of your toughest career and productivity questions. If this episode was helpful, please let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Victoria Grace.